Well, I've been uh, preaching on uh, kind of exposing Babylon, or called So Long Babylon, and and uh, for those of you, maybe if this is the first sermon you've kind of you've heard in the series, what we're talking about is there's a clash of two kingdoms. It's the kingdom of the world, which is in the Bible, it's called Babylon a lot, or the spirit of the world. And then you have the kingdom of God. And there's a divine conflict in the earth where we pray. Jesus said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So heaven is invading earth through God's people. We release the kingdom wherever we go. And there's, uh, whenever Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we gave Mankind gave authority to the devil, and he's, we're currently taking back the garden. <laughs> and, and so there's a, a lot that I could go into off of that, but I want to talk about the guy that's over the kingdom of the world. And part of the reason why we're talking about this, why do we need to talk about Babylon, the spirit of the world, the devil, and all this kind of stuff, is first of all, a lot of people don't believe the devil is real, and he is. I think most of the people in this crowd would believe that the devil is real. And he has names. He's called the devil. He's called Satan. He's called Lucifer. And each of those names describes something that he is or does. And today we're going to be looking at his name, Lucifer, and, and what that means. But the devil is, he's in charge of this, this Babylonian spirit, the spirit of the world. And it's contrary to the ways of God. In the spirit, in the world, to promote, to get promoted, you might uh, betray somebody, step on them, uh, wiggle your way, you're manipulating, controlling, trying to advance. In God's kingdom, you serve others and you actually promote others. That's how you get, you advance. That's how you're, how you get promoted is by promoting others. And so God's ways are, they're opposite of the ways of this world in so many ways. And so I want to talk about Lucifer, one of the names of the devil. And this, this whole series is uh, meant to, you, you got to know, if you want to defeat your enemy, you, you got to know his ways and you got to expose him for what he is. Because the devil is not going to come out and, uh, you know, just be like, hey, I'm trying to ruin your life. He's a deceiver. He works. He, operates in darkness, all right? So darkness means you can't see. He, it's a lot easier for him if you have no idea what he's doing and you're just, and he's just guiding you along and you just think, this is just the way, I guess it's me or this is just the way life is. And, then, and he just guides you to a life that's not very fruitful or abundant, even if you know the Lord. And so Jesus came to give us life abundantly. So Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, we're going to read these passages, and it describes Lucifer, which is the name of the devil before he was cast out of heaven. Okay? So Ezekiel 14. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning. Star of the morning is translated Lucifer, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will make myself like the most high. 
Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol, the recesses of the pit. Sheol is basically another word for hell. Those who see you will gaze at you. They will ponder over you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world like a wilderness and overthrew its cities, who did not allow his prisoners to go home? All the kings of the nations lie in glory, each in his own tomb. But you have been cast out of your tomb like a rejected branch, clothed with the slain who are pierced with the sword, who go down to the stones of the pit like a trampled corpse. You will not be united with them in burial because you have ruined your country and you have slain your people. And may the offspring of evildoers be mentioned forever. Prepare for his sons a place of slaughter because of the iniquity of their fathers. They must not arise and take possession of the earth and fill the face of the world with cities. I will rise up against them, declares the Lord of hosts, and will cut off from Babylon name and survivors, offspring and posterity, declares the Lord. Now we're going to read Ezekiel 28. Now, when you read these passages, there's, he talks about the king of Tyre or the king of Babylon, and these are, uh, were real men that these prophecies were against, but they're also a personification and, re- and a representation of the devil or even like an antichrist spirit, which is a whole other sermon. We're talking about the antichrist. All right, so, son of man, take up a lamentation of the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the lapis lazuli. I need to find one of those stones for you, honey. I've never heard of that one. And uh, the turquoise and the emerald, the gold, the workmanship of your setting and sockets was in you. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed the cherub who covers. Interesting. And I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God, and you walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence, and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. And so it's painting this whole picture of Lucifer being cast out of heaven because he, these two passages, he wanted to become like God. He wanted to exalt himself above God. Now, Lucifer, the name means light bearer. This was his original purpose, to bear light. To be, he was a cherub that covered. Um, it says that he was one of the cherubs that covered the Garden of Eden, that guarded the entrances. But he abandoned his original purpose. And what were we created for? We were created to be light bearers. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus said, you are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Don't cover your light. Don't cover the fire that's in you. He was was also a worship leader in heaven. And he was a covering cherub in the garden of God. He was gorgeous. He was perfect. He was beautiful. He was probably the most beautiful of all the angels. 
And he, imagine, he was, uh, he covered. So if you read Isaiah 6, there's angels that, that cover their, uh, their eyes. They have six wings, and they, they are right beside the Lord, their cherubs. This is probably what Lucifer was. He was one of these guys. And I thought about this, and I was like, you know, even before Jesus was betrayed by Judas, he was, God was stabbed in the back by Lucifer. Because here he is, imagine Lucifer is covering God's back, so to speak. And he decides to betray the Lord, his creator. And he takes a third of the angels from heaven with him, according to Revelation 12:4, And those are now demons. That's where demons come from. They're fallen angels. And so when he fell, according to Revelation, took four, he took a third. And then one, and this is the good news, guys. So one part, if it was just you and God, you would defeat the devil. But not only that, we got two-thirds of the angels on our side. We're also numerically in the, in the majority. So it's just like the devil is just, he's beaten soundly. But it only, all it takes is one person with God, and you're in the majority against the devil. All right? So think about this. Lucifer must have been quite a persuasive individual to convince one-third of the angels to leave the presence of God. Now, this is one of the things that you have to realize. Apart from God, he will whip you. He's much smarter than you, more clever, <laughs> more powerful. But in Christ, you step on his head with the, your heel. In Christ, he's been completely disarmed. Because what gives him a hook in you is any agreement with him, any lie that you come into agreement with, any sin, habitual sin in your life. It says, he who practices sin, 1 John 3, is of the devil. Now, what is John talking about? Does that mean everybody that sins is of the devil? But, he's pre but John's talking to Christians. So what he's saying is when you practice sin, practice you practice it. it means habitually over and over. What it does is it opens up a door for that devil, for the devil to get a hook in you. So when you habitually look at porn, you're not only exposing yourself to porn. What happens is the devil, the spirit of lust gets in there and gets to amplify it and actually oppress you even more to where it's a stranglehold. It's not just something you're doing when you have some free time. It's a compulsive behavior. And that's what the, and it could, any area of life, I, I use pornography a lot because that's what Jesus set me free. I know, I know what it is to be in bondage to that. And so he, he looks for that opening. But in Christ, you've been liberated because Jesus defeated sin, right? He defeated death. So in Christ, he doesn't have those tools to work with. Lucifer decided one day he wanted to be like God, that he would ascend into heaven and establish his throne. What did he convince Adam and Eve of? He said, you're going to be like God. What does he convince mankind of right now? Hey, you can be like God. You get to call the shots. You get to say what the laws are and 
You, de- you define what freedom is. You define, we, you get to say what is good and evil, not God. And that's where we get in trouble is when we try to define what is good and evil. And we assert God, we try to overthrow him in our own way, just like Lucifer did or tried to do whenever we come out from under God's uh, rule. So the calling card of the devil is pride. It's, it's the hallmark. Where you see pride, you will, you will find evil. So rather than worship God as he was created to do, Lucifer took his eyes off God and then put them on himself. Have you all read that Greek mythology story about Narcissus? The word, that's where the word narcissist comes from. He uh, had never seen himself, and then he was the most beautiful of men. And he, one day he was drinking from the river, and he was like, "Woo, that's a pretty man right there. <laughs> and he was like, oh, my. And, and then he just couldn't get enough of himself. He just had to stare in the river all day. This is basically the story of the devil. The devil fell in love with himself, and he got his eyes off of God. He was created. He was a worshiping angel. And so the number one way the devil attacks us is pride, and, and everyone has to deal with this. Everyone has to deal with pride. Pride manifests in many ways. The Lord told me the other day I was, uh, this was uh, actually a few weeks ago, but, you know, I, I'm one of those people that um, every, my default human nature is everything be a little bit better. Jessica, whenever we were dating, she would make dinner for me and crescent rolls and one time she tricked me with pear salad. Anybody know what pear salad is? You don't need to find out. All right. We got Karen. It's, it's kind of like a more, middle, you know, South Georgia dish. All right. You'll pr- it's the pears that come in the can. You pair half, a dollop of mayonnaise, and shredded cheddar cheese on top. And a cherry on top if you're lucky. <laughs> so Jessica would make me, one time she tricked me. This is totally off subject, but she tricked me. And she, I, said, I said, what is that on the pear salad? She said, just eat it. Just try it. She knew I hated mayonnaise. She wasn't even trying to trick me. She just, she just was such a fan of pear salad that she was just like, surely this will turn them. And I ate it, and I was just threw up in my mouth almost immediately. Anyways, Jessica used to make these nice meals for me, and, and I just, yeah, and uh, I would just eat, and I'd be like, you know, Jessica's kind of like, you know, didn't get a response, and then, you know, make me another meal. I was just like, yeah, all right, what's next? And, uh, and she's like, you know, Travis, um, I know, if you know my wife, she's like really reserved, doesn't, 
you know, she just holds back. And, and, uh, but she said, Travis, um, you're not very encouraging. I was like, what are, you talk- what are you talking about? She's like, I make you these meals. I spend time making meals, and there's not one compliment or even thank you. And I was like, you're right. You're right. And I just, I, I realized, I was like, yeah, I didn't even say thank you. That's pretty rude. Thank you. And, um, and so it was, how did I get on this story? Talking about pride. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm the type of, so like, I'm, unless it's like the best, uh, this is the way I used to think, I'm not like this anymore. I actually hand out compliments. One of the things in my family growing up was like, if, if you compliment too much, it won't, it loses its value, which is not true, all right? You need to, be generous with encouragement. And so, um, and so I've, I grew up with, like, I'm not going to brag on it unless it's just, like, the most amazing thing I've had. And so Jessica's meals were, like, an 8 out of a 10. But if, unless it's a 10, I'm not going to say anything. It's, I know it's backwards thinking, you know, but it's, that's, Jesus healed me. Thank you, Lord. And... And so, but my default is this kind of thing where if I don't, if I don't catch my thoughts, I start thinking this way. And so I was actually looking at, you know, some guys that were operating in like power. I've cried out to God for, and I just was, um, I was like, Lord, I want that. I want that. And it wasn't, and I was like, why is that? It was more of this posture of like, why is it, why am I not operating in that right now? And the Lord said, Travis, that's pride. Because you, um, you're, th- you're looking as like you've got to get to this place. You've got to get, to get to this exalted place in your mind or wherever this is. Instead of just being thankful for where I have you and, tr- and trusting me. And, but he, even that, even that, God, where... Um, that God is so about our hearts and the motive of our hearts. And I wasn't trying to look at my belly button all day long, and I'm not, you, that's unhealthy too. But the Lord, you just got to listen to the Lord. And the Lord was like, Travis, even when, when, you're, when you get uh, embarrassed, when you take a risk, that's pride too. Because you care about what you look like. <laughs> and so it can manifest in all kinds of ways. And the de- and he attacks us in that because if you don't, Andrew Murray said it's hard to humble a humble man. And so if you're if we are truly in this humble place and you totally blow it, you can just be like, <laughs> man, I tried. Let's do it again, you know. And so you know what I'm saying? It doesn't have a hook in you. And so everybody's got to deal with this in their own way. And the Holy Spirit, well, he's faithful. I mean, he's good. He's a good father. I, I thank the Lord. It's again, I, I'm telling you, when, you, when the Lord corrects you, it's the kindest thing you ever hear. I love it when the Lord corrects me because it spurs, it changes me. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. It shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord changes things. It hews out flames of fire. 
It makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. It's going to give you joy. It's going to bring breakthrough. And it's maybe it's got to break down a cedar. It's got to chop down a piece of wood in your life that you've resurrected. But I'm telling you, the voice of the Lord will change you and it will spur you on. It, it, the voice of the Lord provides grace to do what he's asking you to do. The voice of condemnation will not do that. The voice of condemnation says, get better, and it's up to you. The voice of the Lord says, Travis, that's pride, baby. There's a better way. And, it's, and in his voice is the grace. And he just imparts it to you whenever he speaks it to you. So the original sin was pride. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the, first of all, the devil accuses God of being a liar and a bully. How many of you felt God was that way? Right? A few honest hands. Not that nobody's dishonest, but I'm, some people willing to admit it. Raise your hand. But he sells us on the idea that sin will make us into who we ought to be and we will be like God. The truth is, Adam and Eve were already God before the fall. He sold them on something they already were. You'll be like God. And like, oh yeah, we'll be like, no, you, you are like God. You're created in his image. You get to create. God asked you to name the animals. You are co-creating with God. You are like God. You are his son and his daughter, Adam and Eve. And he tells us it's the same for us. Don't get sold on what the devil, he's trying to tell you, this is what it looks like to be like God. You do your own thing. You call good and evil and evil good. You, do, you, get, to, you get to name and, uh, what is right and what is wrong. But we are, all, we are sons and daughters of God when we abide in the Son, Jesus. And Jesus didn't, he didn't come to throw away the law. He came to fulfill it. And he's fulfilled it. So apart, the Ten Commandments, the purpose of the Ten Commandments was to show you, you need a Savior. That was God's intention. He, he knew that we weren't going to be able to keep that. It was to point to a Messiah. It was to point to our need. You need a Savior. It's impossible for any human apart from Jesus to keep the Commandments. So God hates pride and actively resists it. There are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven, which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, which is a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, and a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. Lord, have mercy. God resists pride, but he gives a greater grace. This is what I'm talking about. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So this word opposed means assemble yourself in battle formation. So when you're we're operating in pride, God assembles himself in battle formation against you because he is not going to let pride win. Galatians says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. He who sows to the spirit will reap life. He who sows to the flesh will reap death. Pride absolutely will not win. 
and God will stop it cold in its tracks. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was a king of Babylon. He, again, he was a representation of the Antichrist. I mean, it's, there's types and figures of Jesus in the Bible, and there's types and figures of the Antichrist in the Bible. So you got king of Babylon, king of Tyre, and, and Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful king in the earth at this time. He had dominated every nation that he went to war against. And what happened was Daniel had a dream, or, or Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and he asked Daniel to interpret the dream, except he didn't even tell Daniel what the dream was. He said, you got to tell me what the dream is and interpret it. So Daniel had to get a word of knowledge from the Lord on what the dream was. Daniel, the Lord told Daniel the dream and gave him an interpretation. And the dream was interpreted by Daniel. He basically said, King Nebuchadnezzar, you're going you're gonna to live in the, in the wild for seven years as a wild beast. And you're going to eat the grass like the cattle. And Nebuchadnezzar was like, surely the spirit of the holy gods is in this man. Promoted him, set him up, but he still didn't change. A, year, uh, a few years later, Nebuchadnezzar's on top of his house, and he's looking out over his kingdom. And he says, look what I've built with my hands. Is there, no one can stand before me. He was, he's like, I, in a paraphrase, he said, I am God. And then the Lord said to him, <laughs> I'm sending you out to the field. So seven years, Nebuchadnezzar went mad, ate grass, Hair grew out, fingernails grew out. Y'all see the Guinness Book of World Records nails like this long. That's Nebuchadnezzar's nails grew out like that. Long hair, couldn't communicate, acted like an animal. And all his servants just watched him for seven years. It's like, is he ever going to come back to his right mind? After seven years, sanity was brought back. And he said, surely Daniel's God is the God of gods. And he is able to humble even the most powerful of men. And so God will stop pride in its tracks. James 4 says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Sometimes we try to resist the devil first. The first thing is submit to God. Lord, what do you want me to do right now? He may tell you, hey, I just want you to worship me right now. Or he may say, hey, uh, do a, do a three-day fast or something like that. I, but you submit to the Lord. <laughs> he's the, he's the commander-in-chief. He knows how to win the war. And he, in uh, verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. So promotion only comes from the Lord. So this is the triple whammy of pride. Number one, God will resist you. Number two, the devil attack, it allows the devil to attack you, have a, a hook in you. And then three, it takes away your authority. God, God will resist you, the devil will attack you, and you will have no authority in the spirit. What is the answer for pride? The answer for pride is actually not humility. The answer for pride is worship. 
Humility is a fruit of worship. So Lucifer did not go from humility to pride. He went from worship to pride. Here he was in the presence of God, worshiping angel. And then he went to pride, looking at himself and taking his eyes off of God. You'll never be in pride when you're worshiping in spirit and truth with a heart of submission to the Lord as long as you're a worshiper. And you're in, you're in, that, you're in that place of submitting yourself to the Lord. He, he's just faithful that way. So three practical reasons why we worship. Number one, to keep our lives God-centered and not me-centered. We're going to read Psalm 103. You can turn there if you've got your paper Bibles. If you've got your other phone, that's fine too. Psalm 103. Verses 1 through 13. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy, holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed, he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He'll not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So Psalm 103, all David is saying is, he's everything to me. That's how you can sum up that passage. David is saying, he is everything to me. He forgives all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. He crowns me with loving kindness and compassion. He shows me his ways. And the list goes on. Praise and worship is a discipline that reminds us of that. God, you're everything to me. You're everything to me. And discipline implies that there's times where you may not feel like doing it. Discipline, you go from, eventually if you, when you do it out of discipline enough, it will turn into delight. So you go from discipline to delight. But there's times where you do have to make a choice and realize, oh man, I've got, I've got a little 10 minute window of some free time. At least for parents, it's maybe not even that big. <laughs> but you're like, I've got a 10-minute window of time. I think I might just sit back and say the name of Jesus for 10 minutes. <laughs> I 
And then it builds into you, hey, this is normal. This is what I normally do when I have 10 minutes. Just like I was talking about staying connected. You just stay connected. If I, you build in that habit of Jesus is with me or you're, I'm coaching a basketball game. And normally I'm, I'm very one-track-minded, so I'm thinking two, three zone, man-to-man, full-court press, whatever it is. And, and I just feel like, all right, we need to go two, three. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me love these girls and be a good coach. All those things that you may think God doesn't really care about. But if it matters to you, it matters to God. And so you approach it like that. God, um, we're running low on goat feed. You just tell him that. That's what I'm talking about. Stay connected. When you can't think of anything clever to say, you, you pray in tongues. That's why I love tongues. You can't think of anything to say. You say his name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. One time when Jessica and I went out, we were, doing, we were praying in a parked car. Always have to, but and we were praying. We were praying, nothing else, I'm telling you. And so we were, <laughs> I just got to clear the air. Kimberly, this is, we were not, we were praying and the, I felt a hand on my back. And it was the strongest hand I'd ever felt, and it was invisible, and it pushed me underneath my steering wheel where I was in a ball like this. I had never, I looked at Jessica under, and I was like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> and Jessica didn't know what was happening either. Jessica just doing this, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. She didn't, she didn't know what to pray. But guess what? You know, it works. So when you don't know what to pray, you just say the name of Jesus. The devil tries to complicate it. I've been declaring freedom in, prayer, in my prayer life, in the prayer life of my kids. I pray over them every night. And I... One of the things I've been praying lately is like, Lord, I declare freedom in their prayer life. That it doesn't have to look like anything that they know of. That it's simply staying connected with you. And a lot of the staying connected is you say, Lord, we need more goat feed. And then you listen. And so much of it is listening. But you're intending, you're posturing your heart towards him. And then it's worship. And when you, when you start doing that, when you start disciplining yourself just to acknowledge the Lord, it turns into worship. Because your eyes are on Him. And when your eyes are on Him, there's only one thing it's always going to go back to, and it's worship. Because He's so beautiful. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His place. And so that's what the Lord's been whispering to me, Travis, stay connected. Stay connected. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to look professional. Now, Psalm 6930 says, I will praise the name of God with song and magnify him with thanksgiving. 
So when we magnify the Lord, does he get bigger? No. God doesn't get bigger. he's, He's who he is. He doesn't change. He gets bigger in our sight. He, he gets magnified on our side. So we're not, we're not like pumping Jesus up with like a hand pump. We're, he is getting magnified in our sight. We're actually seeing him for who, more for who he truly is. It's not changing. God's always been huge. <laughs> we're just seeing him. And when we give thanksgiving, we're like, God, you're getting bigger in my life. Woo! And when he gets bigger, the devil gets smaller. Number two, it keeps our faith in God strong and active. I've set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also would dwell securely. So how do we set the Lord continually before us? What I've been talking about. We, we worship. We pray. We meditate. We remember testimonies. You don't, you don't know how to pray. You just remember. We did some remembering before church this morning. We were given testimonies about what God has done. I testified to something, uh, seeing God working in my daughter Lydia's life. She was Pumbaa in the Lion King Jr. last year. How many of y'all have seen Lion King at Fox Theater? All right, we went a few weeks ago, amazing show. And so uh, on Lydia's birthday, January 26, unbeknownst to her, Pumbaa from the Lion King Broadway show showed up at her school. Now, she was Pumbaa in Lion King Jr., and he spent three hours with them talking to them about acting and puppetry and all that kind of stuff. And we, it was an opportunity for us to look at Lydia's like, you're God's favorite. You know that, right? On your birthday, Pumbaa came to your school of all the characters. Pumbaa came. And so we remember, we give testimonies of, of God caring about those things. God cares that you were Pumbaa and the Lion King. He cares that it's your birthday and all those types of things. So when you don't set the Lord before you, this is the key. When you do not set the Lord before you, it means it's you versus the world. <laughs> if the Lord's behind you and he's not before you, it's you're, you're having to take on the world. But he's before you. It's the Lord taking on the world for you. It says that the angel of the Lord went and prepared the way for the people of Israel. And the Lord wants to prepare the way, but for him to prepare the way, it actually means he's got to be in front. He's got to be set continually before you through worship, prayer, meditation, remembering. When you set God before you, you see through a God filter. That's what happened to David. Goliath was taunting the armies of Israel for 40 days, making grown men shaking their boots. And a teenager comes up, and he's like, did y'all hear what he's saying? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That was a cut down back then. And so they, he, he had a history of, of God going before him and killing a lion. He had a history of God going before him and killing the bear. And he said this, and David and both of those against the lion and the bear was way outmatched. But it wasn't David versus the lion and the bear, it was God versus the lion and the bear. And so when he saw, looked at this giant of a man who was nine feet tall, he's like, I'm, it's not me versus Goliath, it's God versus Goliath. He says, how dare you profane the name of the God of Israel? 
I will cut your head off this day and feed you to the birds of the air. <laughs> that was Braveheart before there was Braveheart. Yeah, I mean, who wants to do Oklahoma drill with me right now? I'm just, I'm getting fired up. Anyways. If you look at yourself, you will get discouraged. If you look at God, you will get encouraged. And this just goes back to realizing, apart from God, you have nothing, just like David said. <laughs> David said, apart from you, I have no good thing. But in Christ, you have everything. You have everything. You are actually seated with him in the heavenly places at the right hand of God. You have been made a co-heir with Christ. Whatever is Jesus's inheritance is your inheritance. How generous is the Lord? So if you look at yourself, you will get discouraged, but if you look at God, you will get encouraged. So we put on praise, Isaiah 61, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So anything the Bible tells us to put on is a choice. Put on a garment of praise. He's saying, make a choice to, to worship. Put on garments of righteousness. He's telling you, remember who you are in Christ. The blood of Jesus has cleansed you. You are made righteous in Christ Jesus. Put on thanksgiving. Just start thanking the Lord. Make a choice. Start thanking the Lord. And it talks about the spirit of heaviness. He says, put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And so heaviness, according to Isaiah 61, is a spirit. And it can usually gain access just through self-focus. That's why I'm saying if, we, if I look at myself, I start getting discouraged. <laughs> I look at what I, whatever I'm in, I look at myself, I look at my, I'm looking at my weakness. And I'm not looking at Jesus. And it can make me heavy. <laughs> it can make me uh, discouraged. And God wants to cast that thing off of you by just looking at him. Third thing, worship keeps everything in perspective. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I have no kingdom, power, or glory it all belongs to God. And he just said, Travis, I want you to be a part of it. And that's the invitation when we receive Jesus. It's not just salvation from sin and from eternity and hell, which all would be enough. But he's saying you not only get saved from that, but you get to participate and enjoy the spoils of heaven. Any glory that is in me is Christ in me. The hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. So let's stand up.